You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 103. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I am your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm a business consultant and coach who has helped hundreds of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six- and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. Today, I'm excited to bring on the podcast one of my one-to-one consulting clients, Jen Watterson, who is the founder of Simply Smarter Numbers. Jen is an absolute weapon when it comes to helping business owners make more profit and take back their time. And today, on this particular episode, we're going to explore why business owners struggle with profitability. I also want to talk to Jen about when should business owners start to take profitability seriously. You might think, and it's a bit of a silly question, but I promise a lot of people aren't thinking about this. And Jen is also going to share with us her five key elements to profitable revenue growth. It's going to be a brilliant episode and an episode that anyone who is struggling with profitability or wanting to increase what their current profit already is into more, I strongly encourage you stick around for this awesome episode. But before we hop straight into this episode, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this episode, please feel free to share a key takeaway, a fun fact, or anything in between over at Instagram and taking me Angela Henderson Consulting because that would put a smile on my dial. Also, this episode is sponsored by my amazing mastermind, Action Takers Mastermind for Women in Business. It is a five-month online and in-person experience designed to get your business to the next level, whatever that looks like for you. The Action Takers Mastermind helps women business owners like you to get clarity on where to put your focus, where and how to receive genuine information on what's possible, what works, and what's a waste of time for your business. The mastermind will also be helpful by providing feedback on your ideas. The mastermind will help with perspective on your skills and talents. And it also allows you to get introductions to new clients. And not to mention, it is amazing community that you're going to have access to who understand and care about what you do. Not to mention so much more levels of awesomeness. During the five months, you're going to get two strategy sessions with me, two emergency calls with me when you need help ASAP, hot seat calls each month, two implementation sessions each month, five months access to the private Facebook community so that those long, juicy conversations continue past our live sessions, a one-day live event on beautiful Gold Coast, Australia. So if this is sounding like something that you need in your life right now in order to up-level your business and take you to where you want to go, get the clarity you need and move you from stuck to unstuck, then I strongly encourage you to head to bit.ly, B-I-T full stop L-Y backslash mastermind with Ange to apply for one of the 20 spots. We start August 1st. Again, you can apply at bit.ly, B-I-T full stop L-Y backslash mastermind with Ange. Now let's get into this amazing episode. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ange. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, I'm super excited to be here because as you know, especially during these last kind of, I don't know, 12 to 18 months, knowing the numbers and time and ROI, things that we're going to get deep into later on today is exceptionally important, you know, for the business growth of a business. But yet I think something that is so missed 
It is. It is. And we see it these days in particular, right now when everybody's going through some level of crisis in their business, um, right now at the time of recording, of course, we've got the whole coronavirus thing happening and not to focus on that. But it's at times a crisis like this where whether you know your numbers or don't know your numbers, it has a big impact on how well you can get through um, times of, of crisis and problems. And 100%. And I think people have been forced to at this particular time in the world uh, is yet they've been forced to go, probably haven't been really looking at my numbers. It's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. Uh, But now like I've got no choice because I've got time on my hands because my business is either slowed down or I'm a hair salon or, you know, something like that where it's you haven't closed for good, but you've been closed for a period of time. And I think people have really had a lot of time to not only reflect, but also an ability to reset where they want to go. And so I'm glad to have you on the show today. We're going to talk about the five key elements to profitable revenue growth. But before we jump in, I like to always ask guests when they're on the podcast, one little simple question, a fun question so that the audience gets to know you a little bit better before we hop into the key elements. And my fun question for you is, is I know you and your hubby love to golf. So my question to you is, is why did you get into golf and what is your favorite golf course? Uh, why into golf? So I am just about to turn 46 and I didn't start playing golf till I was 40. Mm-hmm. And really all that happened was one day my stepfather, my beautiful stepfather, he has a, an old set of golf clubs in his shed and he just wanted to get rid of them. And I don't know what happened, but for some reason he decided that it would the best place for them would be to sit in my back shed. <laughs> and so I grabbed one of those clubs and I'm, we live, we're very lucky we live in a small town with um, a, a big open space across the road from us. So I grabbed a golf ball, I grabbed one of the clubs, having absolutely no idea what to do with this thing, and I hit it and it, and it went somewhere. It just mm. like it got me in like instantly, just that one hit because it actually connected. And if you are a golfer, then you understand what that can do to you. It brings <laughs> you back again and again. And yeah. And so that's what got me into it. And from then, my husband who stopped playing other sport decided that he might as well come along with me. So yeah, we're right into it. Dude, fantastic. And what is your all-time favorite golf course? Oh, one of one that I love, that we love and we go back to over and over again is Bonville up okay. near Coffs Harbour. It's so beautiful. And even if you're not a golfer, you need to go there, eat at their restaurant. They have beautiful food, beautiful course. It's just such a pretty place. So yeah, we go back there whenever we possibly can. Dude, it sounds pretty magnificent. Like you said, regardless if you're a golfer or not. So yeah. now we understand that again, you do love golf how you got into golf. And I'm just going to say just as a prerequisite here for those listening, as you guys know, I just kind of roll with podcasting. I'm not a perfectionist when it comes to this. At time of recording, my daughter just got out of hospital. She was exceptionally sick. She is still home. So uh, she's been warned not to talk in this podcast. I think this is the first time I've ever actually had to put this disclaimer in a podcast. So Jen, you're lucky. First time ever. Um, but if you, again, she's been warned, but I can still hear her playing with her babies out there. Like, listen, we're just going to roll with it. This is what happy juggling's noises. about. It's happy noises. Um, so if you're wondering, if you do hear a little talking to babies, it's not me or Jen talking to random things. It's actually my daughter. Not much I can do. She's been sick for 14 days at time of recording. We're just rolling with it. But I just want to put it out there in case you hear random baby noises. That's my daughter. All right. So here we go. Seven-year-old talking to our kids. So now <laughs> I've been working with you one-to-one as your business consultant for the last six months. And I know what you do. And I love what you do because there's just so much value in it, even for those women and business owners that haven't Jimmy, seen it. And they're going to get the aha moment shortly. But like I said, I know you, Jen. I love your guts, but not everyone else knows you. So can you tell us a little bit about where you started your business journey and where you currently are? 
I am, I have been an accountant for about 20 years. So I'm not that these days. I mean, I guess I'm still qualified and, and so on, but that's where I started about 20 years ago in tax accounting. So the most boring side of accounting <laughs> that you could possibly get into. But it was where I landed. It's what I was doing for a really long time. My husband and I um, now own the business that that I worked in originally. We bought that about 12 years ago. So we've been running that business for uh, about 12 years now. Uh, I got out of it because I don't love the tax. It's just not my go. I love working with business owners. I love working through strategy. I love helping them grow their businesses, but grow them sustainably and grow them intelligently. I love that side of it. So I decided that I'm going to work my way out of that business. And I did. And we still have it going in the background. That's now my husband's baby. My baby is Simply Smarter Numbers. So that's where I spend all of my time, effort and energy these days. And it's fantastic because your podcast has just been launched, which is super exciting. So you've got your podcast being able to talk with a variety of people about not just numbers, but profitability and everything like that. So that's super exciting. You're working with one-on-one clients. You're looking at, you know, your mastermind story. So there's a lot of goodness that you've got going on. And like you said, you're taking the skills that you had from the first business that Javi still now is in love with and just really focusing on working with businesses to really scale and become profitable, which is, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. Businesses. In my opinion, in my time of being in business, is that I look at businesses, Jen, in three different stages. You've got that infancy stage, aka the startup stage. You've got the growth stage, right? And you've got the scale stage. But there comes a time where I think, in my opinion, when you're in that infancy stage, you're just trying to stay afloat. You're just like, please, where's the next sale coming from? You know, you've got so much going on, tech, websites, this and that. But then there comes a time where you're like, shit. I'm going to have to start taking stuff really serious now, right? Do you Have you seen that in your experience too at the different stages? I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. So in that infancy stage, I think people just have low expectations on profitability or whether it's we give ourselves an excuse because we're not quite ready yet, we're not there yet, we're building up to that infancy stage, we can really let a lot slip by. It's not always necessary. We don't have to uh, go for 12 months or whatever it might be without any profit. You know, it's not always just about that top line. It does feel like it at the time, but I do feel like as a business owner, if we we can do things a little bit smarter, we don't need to overcomplicate the numbers that are around our profitability. And if we can find that sort of little piece of magic there then and get that into our business a little bit earlier, then it just means at the end of the day, we're going to make more profit faster. 100%. And I think that again, I know one of the things that I talk about with my women is about profit pillars and understanding what pillars are needed to build a sustainable and profitable business. And my thing is, is if you've got, you know, some of these pillars are about, you know, making sure that you've got your sales funnels and you've got your email sequencing and you've got a good viable product and you've got a conversional website and all these other things. But because it's like, you can't be profitable if you have a shitty website, right? You can't be profitable if you have a shitty product. You can't be profitable if you don't have a sales funnel. So some of these things, like I said, I think, I think it's in the back of their mind, but I just don't think it's a key focus. Even though, again, as a business consultant, I'm hounding on people about their, you know, about their numbers. Now, my other thing that I found, Jen, is that when I work with either my one-to-one clients, my mastermind clients, or my group coaching clients is that, yeah, profitability, it sounds easy, right? Like everyone throws it around. I mean, you can't say that you pretty much wouldn't go without a day either seeing on some sort of social media platform about something about scalability, profitability, growth or whatever. Like it's everywhere that we live in. But I'd like to know, why do you think businesses struggle with profitability? 
And have you seen a common thread throughout the years of this being presented? Yeah, I have. And where they struggle is the lack of understanding, okay? And the thought that it's really complicated, the thought that it's hard knowing where to go to find those numbers. And really the common thread, the thing that people are missing right up, straight up, right at the very first thing you need to know as a business owner, and if you take nothing else away from what we talk about today, take this away. It is that you have your revenue, that is one number. Then what I always refer to and talk about is the next number directly below that in any profit and loss statement, which many of you may not have ever even looked at. (laughs) The next number is your direct expenses. Now, whether you're in a service-based business or whether you're in a retail business, whatever it might be, it's that next number underneath that, that these are your direct expenses that come straight off that revenue. And that might be your wages. It might be the stock that you had to purchase in order to sell to make that revenue. So that direct expense that comes straight off that revenue and that leaves you with a gross profit. So I'm not sure if that makes, you know, enough Yeah, yeah, 100% because again, you have to be able to say what goes in comes out and you've got to be, there's still something like you can't have a business if you don't have any expenses typically. I don't know anyone that has an expense-free business, right? If you sell a pair of shoes, uh, you had to buy that pair of shoes from somewhere Mm -hmm. and whatever you sell that pair of shoes for, you then take off whatever you bought it for and then you've got a gross profit sitting there. And that gross profit, that is the thing that that's all you have left. That is all you have left to pay the rent, to build the website, to pay any wages, to pay all of the expenses, to do all of the things that that money that's left also has to pay the tax man. It has to pay any debt that you might have. That's all you have less left. So revenue is number is number one, and we can all find that really quickly and easily. The next one to look at is what is that profit line, that first gross profit line after you have paid for your immediate direct expenses. I know there's a lot of dynamine spruce in the online space about I had a seven figure launch. I had a six figure launch. I'm an eight figure business. I'm this, that and the other. But not everyone talks about what their profit is, right? And this is the part that shits me because I think people actually lead others to believe that they're a lot more successful than what they actually are, right? And there's this beautiful lady named Sigrun. And she actually what I like about Sigrun is she's very open about her numbers. All right. And so at the end of last year, she talked about, um, yeah, her numbers. And I think off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me. But I think she her revenue was 2.2 million last year. So you would think naturally 2.2 mil that there'd be the profit margin would probably be very good because the majority it's she's not an e com, So you don't have that expensive product, right? Uh, all online. But her profit was 10%. So her profit was 220,000, which listen, still great, great, right? But again, and what I like, I said, what I loved about Sigrun is her openness and willingness to talk about. And so her expenses, I think off the top of my head, were about 750,000 just went to staff. Yeah, I can tell you, Ange, categorically, straight out that the amount of revenue you earn has absolutely zero correlation with the amount of profit people are earning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely zero. I've spent 20 years looking at all sorts of different size businesses, types of businesses, like looking through financial statements for 20 years. And I am telling you right now that it does not matter. That top line is absolutely gives you no indication of what it is that that person is taking home at the end of the day. 
Exactly right. And but my thing though there is a social medium perception. Yeah. Right? Is Sigrun like I see Sig all over the place. In fact, I'm going to Iceland for her event. It was supposed to be this year, obviously postponed due to COVID. Like I love everything about what she stands for, right? Again, and about that openness. But because of the perception where I see everywhere, I just would have assumed her profitability would have been a lot higher, right? Because I'm just like, just again, you see everywhere. So I just want I say this as just as a caveat to, before we talk into the five key elements, because I think it's important that, again, be mindful that you never fully know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, I've spoken with other eight-figure businesses before, and when you talk to them about uh, their seven-figure launch they had, well, yes, they may have made $1 million, but they spent $900,000 on ads. Absolutely. Now, that's a massive risk to a business to try and even, do you mean, recoup hundred k right? So I just want people to be mindful about what you potentially are being told and seen and what you're perceiving versus what reality is, right? And obviously, I'm not asking you to focus on other people's businesses, focus on your own race course. But at the end of the day, it's hard not to when you're getting infiltrated with this every day on social media at some stage. Yeah, great point. So now I know we've talked about in our sessions in regards to the five key elements to profit revenue growth. And we've talked about, you know, the wonderful mastermind and masterclass that you have that helps individuals with this also. But for us today is I really want you to dive a little bit deeper because I know the benefit that you bring, but I want those listening to see the benefit, Jen. So I'd love for you to be able to walk us through what those five key elements to profitable growth revenue are. Yeah, sure. I'll run you through the five straight up so that people get a bit of a feel for where we're going. And then I'll go back and go go through each one in a little bit more detail. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds fab. Okay. So number one, so these are the five key elements to profitable revenue growth. Okay. So again, going back to what and just what we just spoke about there, this is about revenue growth that is going to be profitable at the end of the day. So key element number one, number one is about setting goals. Number two is finding the right fit revenue streams. Number three is about wrapping the numbers around those revenue streams. Number four is wrapping the how around those revenue streams. And then number five is about getting clear on your daily, weekly, and monthly activity. I'm assuming you're going to walk us through a little bit more because some of these words, like again, I can know them, but again, I'm very big about making sure that when we say clear activity, Jen will go through that a little bit deeper because what you might be thinking activity is could be very different to what Jen is about to Definitely. propose to us. All right, so let's get into key element number one to profitable revenue growth, which is setting goals. What does that look like? So setting goals, to me, this is something that we all, not everybody loves to do. Some people refuse to do it. Some people are always doing it. Um, some people are scared of doing it, but I love to set goals for a couple of different reasons and they will make more sense as we move through the rest of the key elements. But when I talk about goals, it's not just monetary goals. So yes, we need to have a revenue goal because it makes sense in the grand scheme of what it is we're talking about to know how much revenue you're going to make. But we also want to have a profit goal and we also want to have a lifestyle goal. And that's the that's the essential one there that I kind of want to that I like to work into our key elements is that it's all about creating that lifestyle that is going to that you're going to love at the end of the day you know we're going to business for any number of different reasons mm-hmm. one of them hopefully is to get ourselves a better lifestyle so that is one of the goals that I like to talk about now when I say lifestyle goals what do I mean things like 
how many hours a week do I want to work? How many days a week do I want to work? How many weeks off per annum do I want to have? Do I want to travel overseas? And, and is that going to cost money? And if so, does that mean that I need to change my profit goal? And if I need to change my profit goal to accommodate my lifestyle, then do I need to then up my revenue goal? So it's about, it starts to just pull apart. If you're setting these types of goals, it just gives you the opportunity to just sit back and start pulling apart what it is that you want to get out of your business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that is important because as you start to know, I think a lot of people get confused about, you know, the numbers, revenue goals, profit goals, whatever, but also I'm really big about looking at the ROI that it takes to achieve these things. So, and looking at again, like, what is that hourly rate? Because sometimes people will go, oh, I want this lifestyle to go traveling. I want to do this. My hourly rate is say X amount of dollars, but it's actually taking, and they want to do it in 40 hour weeks, right? But then it ends up taking them 60, 70 hours a week, which then Jen, they're also forgetting that that hourly rate that may have been $50 now divided across 20 to 30 more hours is actually 10 or $15 an hour, right? Yeah. And do you see that happen often? Yeah, you do. And look, people, different size profits, uh, you know, I'm going to say here, wh- who would want a $500,000 profit? Yes. I'm going to put my hand up now and say $500,000 profit. That sounds fantastic. But what do you need to do in order to make that profit? Exactly. If it means that you're working 90 hours a week, well, Really, is that something that you really want? You know, if we can, if it's going to suck the life out of lifestyle, then maybe that's not really what I want. And maybe that's sustainable for a year or two, but really at the end of the day, is it? So, and then it might be a case of reviewing that and saying, well, I know that I only want to work 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So if I know that I want to work 30 hours a week, how can I work backwards and find out what profit is going to suit me? What profit do I need to take care of that lifestyle, but also actually still have a lifestyle and maybe maybe making $300,000 profit, but working 30 hours a week sounds better. Everybody's different. So, mm-hmm. And I also think it's also, again, when you start looking at your numbers really closely, it also allows if you do want to make that $500,000 profit and you've been doing it yourself, it allows you to also look at that organizational structure to go, okay, I don't want to keep working 90 hours. Who else am I going to have to bring in? What is the cost associated with bringing these people in, in order to really figure out what that margin of growth actually is? So, so many things, but I really love that you've talked about number one is setting goals. It's something that I'm really big, as you know, when you've been working with me and with my other clients, sometimes again, people can get distracted with those goals, right? Mm. Something comes up, but it's still again, really big that if you can still keep coming back to them. And I know currently because of COVID, I've been really working closely more with my clients around 90 day goals because a lot is still still unknown in the upcoming months here in Australia anyways, and collectively in America, the UK, et cetera. So by working on those 90 day goals, um, if you do need to adapt and change, I'm just finding that it's a lot quicker. Yeah, and a lot more it adaptable. makes it a lot more realistic. And it's none of these goals are set in concrete. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the process. You know, you can change your goals at any point. These are your goals. They're mm-hmm. your goals. You can do what you want with them. So if you need to change it to a 90-day goal for the sake of getting through a tough period that you're going through, then do that. You know, that's totally okay. Yeah, 100%. And that's the beauty about businesses, isn't it? And I often don't hear it enough, and that's why I do, is that giving yourself permission that things can change and you can always adapt, right? There's never one set pathway for you or your business. If something's working, you might keep going. If something isn't working, again, I'm all about fail fast, move on, right? Fail fast, work harder, right? So it's just like adapting. Now, so number one thing for you, though, is in regards to these five key elements of profitable revenue growth is they've set their goals, 
And they've not only looked at, you know, financial goals, but they've equally looked at those lifestyle goals. They've started to map things out. What's the second key element that you find that they really need to start working on? Okay. So number two is about finding the right fit revenue streams. Mm -hmm. So two things there I want to pull apart. One is what is right fit and what does that mean? And Uh two is what are revenue streams? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about, I'll go straight to revenue streams. When we're talking about revenue streams, there are a lot of people out there that will just know exactly what that means for them. And there are people that will sort of, you know, be perhaps scratching their head a little bit thinking, what does that mean for me? Revenue streams are sources of income coming into your business. So they could be any number of different things. They could be an um, an online program that you offer. It could be an online shop. It could be a, a six-month business coaching program that you offer. It could be a monthly retainer that you offer. Mm-hmm. It could be workshops that you uh, put out and get paid for. It could be speaking engagements that you get paid for. It could be any number of different things, could be a revenue stream. So I guess, and I could probably use your business as an example. You have a couple of different revenue streams, one being your uh, retreat. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yep. So we've got the retreat, we've got the one-to-one consulting, and we've got the mastermind. Those are kind of the core big offers. And then obviously we've got tinier offers that are also sprinkled within there. Yeah, yeah. So those three main revenue streams, that's what I'm sort of talking about here. It's about you to... Um, for any of the listeners out there to sit down and have a think about what is right for them, what is their main offers, okay? So the thing is lots of people, some people could have seven. You could have seven main Mm -hmm. offers, you know. Mm -hmm. You could have two main offers. You might only have one. Everybody's a little bit different, okay? So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about revenue streams. When I talk about the right fit revenue streams, this is about finding the right mix of those revenue streams that fit together and piece together your business and give you the lifestyle that you want. Mm -hmm. So if you had, um, and if your business consisted purely of three revenue streams, which were all different one-to-one consulting packages, I'm sort of just like using your business on the fly here. I hope that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the If you had three one-to-one service offerings within your business, then yes, you may be able to reach your revenue goals and yes, you may even reach your profit goals, but the number of hours that it might take for you to deliver on those three different revenue streams could be just completely insane and not have you reach your lifestyle goal. So for you, it would then be about saying, okay, well, what can I stop doing? What do I want to peel away? and not can you know possibly stop doing what can i then or what can i add in to make things a little bit more user friendly for me to get me a better lifestyle so it's about one identifying what your revenue streams are and then secondly having some level of understanding around whether those goals uh, sorry whether your revenue streams are able to actually reach those revenue goals, profit goals, and lifestyle goals. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's important to like what you talked upon there is like, again, going back to the lifestyle goals, right? Is it's no point busting your ass over and over if it's going to compromise other parts, because you're going to start to resent that within, you know, within yourself, your family's going to resent that your friends or family are going to resent it. 
And so again, really looking at, I know when we started to track um, everything really probably in the last time of recording, it's almost been a year, not quite, but just utilizing a tool called Toggle to track everything that I was doing Mm. to measure whether or not the hours that I was putting into a particular part of the business had the ROI, both for numbers and lifestyle that I wanted from it. Right. And it was a game changer to really look at that. And at that stage, we still decided that the three main revenue streams were still great, um, but it was something to keep an eye on specifically around the retreat. So even though I love the retreat, right, there's still a lot of time and money that goes into it because you think about we're there for four solid days. Well, if you took the cost of the ticket divided by that and then the speakers and the cost, you would think like, well, gosh, and your hourly rate's probably about $10 on that, really, right? When you mm-hmm. divide all the time that's gone in pre, beginning and post, that's probably what it works out to. Again, I don't have that figure in front of me, but it is, it's quite low, all right? But what I do realize, though, is that revenue stream is actually top of funnel for me. So I get a lot of people into coming to that where then they get four days of hearing from me, seeing me, trusting me, but also then they see the community that I bring. And so even though I might, we're still, we profit off of their retreat, not substantial profit as much as I like, but we still profit off the retreat. But because I know that it's a revenue stream, that the knock on effect that I see the, I reap the benefits post the retreat. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. So um, in a couple of steps time, when we start talking about the how, how it is that we're going to reach our revenue goals and our revenue numbers, then that's exactly the types of strategy. So that's more of a strategic investment of time for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then we go on to number step number three. And so step number three is, or key element, I should say. Key element number three is about wrapping the numbers around those revenue streams. Mm-hmm. So wrapping the numbers around the revenue stream. So we've just spoken about what those revenue streams are. Let's pretend you have three revenue streams and let's then each look at each one of those revenue streams independently and uh-huh. separately. Uh-huh. And we want to look at how many you need to sell and at what price you need to sell it in order to reach your revenue goals. Sounds simple enough, okay? Mm-hmm. So anybody can sit down and do those numbers. How many do you need to sell and at what price do you need to sell them to reach those revenue goals? You can do that for each one of those revenue streams, add them all up and there you'll have your potential revenue goal. But then what you need to look at adding in is, okay, well, with this one-to-one coaching revenue stream, for example, Mm -hmm. what's my return on time on that? Mm -hmm. So if you can have a clear understanding around the return on time for each of those revenue streams, then you actually have the opportunity to start making some smart business decisions about where you'd go with that offer in the future. So let me just give you a bit of an example, Ange. Mm -hmm. If, for example, you had a $1,000 product, uh-huh. a job, a consulting job that you were doing and you did this job every month, um, so it was $1,000 for the sake of a nice round number mm-hmm. and you are spending four hours a month for working directly on that job, so delivering that job four hours a month, mm-hmm. then we go four hours into 1000 is $250 per hour. So that's what I refer to as a return on time, your return on time for that product, that service that you're delivering is $250 Mm -hmm. per hour. Now, we might then look a little bit deeper at that and say, well, okay, I'm spending four hours a month, one hour a week delivering this product. But I'm actually, when I look at it 
probably I'm spending a half an hour before and a half an hour after each meeting. So it's actually, it's actually two hours mm-hmm. because I'm preparing, I'm making notes and whatnot. So then that four hours really actually is eight hours. So mm-hmm. eight hours to, into $1,000 for the month is $125 per hour. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden my return on time isn't $250, it's actually $125. Right, yep. Okay, so it's about having that knowledge around what it is for a start and then once you know that, then you have a distinct advantage. It's like you have, a, you have the opportunity to make some changes. Exactly right because, again, I think that's a perception, right? Well, I'm only working two hours with a client. You're never, you're never just working two hours with a client, right? Like there always are. Well, typically you still have phone calls, emails, Instagram messages back and forth, maybe. Uh, like you said, the prep time, Absolutely. the back time. Like, and again, when you start to, again, we'll talk about this in the habit, when you start to track your time, right? You get a really clear understanding of exactly the amount of time that's going into a particular revenue stream. Yeah, absolutely. And if you know that the result for that one month working on that one job with that one client was getting you $125 an hour, then you can say, well, okay, am I happy with that or am I not happy with that? Do I need more from my return on time Mm -hmm. in order to give me the lifestyle, the profit, you know, reach my expectations, what I do, what I want to do in business? And if the answer is no, I don't want to be returning a $125. Yep. If that's the case, then what I can then do is say, well, okay, I have a couple of options. I either increase the price, I reduce the amount of time that I spend, I find a more efficient way of spending the time that I'm spending with that person, or I can reduce the number of hours by maybe a VA who is at a lower price point than me. That's the opportunity that you have there is once you know that you're able to, um, how it is you want to, what you want to increase, then you can. So Jennifer, they've now figured out, they've set their goals, they're finding the right revenue streams, they're really kind of unpacking it a little bit more, being able to go, it's probably not just, you know, the thousand dollars by the time we figure this out, they're wrapping the numbers around those revenue streams. What is key element number four? Can you unpack that a little bit for us? So number four is about wrapping the how around those revenue numbers. So here we just start to like pull it apart a little bit more, but still at a at a higher kind of level. So a more more of a strategic level, a little bit like what you mentioned before, and that your business retreat. So let's perhaps use that one as a bit of an example. So if you were a coach. And you wanted to, your numbers were telling you that if you want to achieve your goals, you need to be um, charging at a more premium price, Mm -hmm. okay? If you know that because your numbers are telling you that, then you have the opportunity to say, okay, well, let's just bring this right back to what next? Mm -hmm. What do I have to do now to make sure that I am attracting the right people, that I am, like you say, top of funnel, bringing in quality people that can see that what I'm doing is of value and is worth the money. I am worth the money to these people for them to spend. Um, I'm kind of like not really making much sense here, I think, but bringing in the right people that are willing to spend the money that you know that you need to make in order to reach your goals. And I know that that can be scary for some women, right? At the beginning, because when they start looking, I know I've got a couple of clients that were looking at their numbers and they're like, Ange, 
pretty much what this is saying with this data is I'm going to have to increase my number, like my increase my pricing, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you either increase your pricing or we need to find a more scalable product. It's up to you. But they're like, but if I increase my pricing, then they're not going to buy. And I'm like, but based on what? Right. So again, that's where that those stories and beliefs, the mindset comes into play. Now, of course, there's going to be some people that say no, but if you provide a good service, you know, you can then. And I also think about like, you can increase it. But one of the biggest things, Jenna, that I found in being a business consultant, and I actually get shit for this quite a lot is, and with your skill set, you should be charging so much more. And I'm like, maybe I could be charging more. And maybe, yes, Jen, I would be closer to my, you know, the revenue revenue goal that I want and the profitability goal that I want. But also, I think there comes a time when you also go, well, hold on, what still fits within my values and what I stand for, right? Like, is if my mission for me, for example, is to work with an additional 3,000 women between now and 2025 and being able to give them the tools, resources, and community they need. If I start charging 5,000 and 10K packages a month, am I going to be able to help as many women as I that's want? That's right. That starts to go out the window. So with that, this is where it's about looking at a, at a more strategic, uh, from a more strategic level. You know, if your goal is to sell, if you're a website designer and you want to sell three website design packages per month at $8,000 each, and you'd only ever done them at $6,000 before, then yeah, sure, that's going to be a bit frightening. But your choice then might be to say, well, I'm not going to sell, I, I don't want to do that. I want to sell more Mm -hmm. at the lower price. But if I'm going to sell it at the lower price, what am I going to do differently? What am I going to take away? What Mm -hmm. am I going to do more efficiently so that I'm not spending the time there? So it's not always a case of just having to ramp up the the amount that you're charging. Yep. It's also your opportunity is also around the amount of time that you're putting into delivering that product or service. I also think though that you can increase the numbers, but if you're uncomfortable with it, and this is where I feel no one's ever said this to me, that's why I say to other people is incrementally start to increase it, right? So if you know that you want to jump it to eight, but you're currently sitting at six, you might jump into six and a half thousand dollars and then see how that goes. Because I know when I jumped too quickly, when I got to the close, like it was like me sputtering like a baby, like, blah, 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 like, because I didn't believe in it, right? Like I didn't believe in the price. But then I was like, hold on. So I just incrementally started to increase my car, like my pricing. And, and it all incrementally increases your confidence along the way, doesn't it? Exactly right. So for those of you out there that are going, shit, when I start thinking about this, and yes, I'm having these aha moments, and I probably need to look at this a little bit more. And when I start looking, because I'm also a big believer, Jenna, data doesn't lie. So any of these exercises that Jen is asking you to do, you cannot fake this shit. It, it's like it's black and white. The data is going to say, this is what you have in front of you. And if this is what you want, this is how you have to do it. Like there's not a lot of oomph as in like variances there. Like it is what it is. And so again, if you've been hiding behind that, um, maybe sabotaging that, uh, worrying about what people are going to think, like now's the time to get into it. Because if you do want to grow that profitable revenue, you know, that you want in that profitable revenue growth, you're going to have to start looking at these numbers. That's it. And if you wanted to, so we're, you know, talking about the how around those revenue numbers, if we were talking in the last step, we were talking about uh, having a $250 hourly rate, which, you know, still might be low, but as compared to what the alternative was, was a 125 hourly rate. Well, Mm -hmm. when you get to the how, you can look at what you're selling and you can just sell it differently. You Mm -hmm. can just take away the fact that you're doing it for four hours a month and mm-hmm. you can change it. You make your own rules. You change what it is that you're selling, what you're putting out there into the marketplace. And yeah, you make it work for you. You make it work for you. 
And that's the beauty about it. But again, once you also know your data, you're also able in your numbers, you're able to make better informed decisions. Yeah, I actually think it's a massive competitive advantage for people to have an understanding of their numbers because they know then exactly what they can and can't do mm-hmm. and whether or not they're going to make money, whether they're whether or not they're going to be around for the long term. It's a huge competitive advantage. Yep, no, couldn't agree more. And that key element, number five. So number five, getting clear on your daily, weekly, monthly activities. So this is where we take the strategy, the the whether whether you had said you were going to uh, sell more by using referrals in your business or mm-hmm. if that was something that's appropriate for you, maybe using referrals. Then we get over to the daily, weekly, monthly activity and we say, okay, I want to use utilize referrals to reach my goals mm-hmm. to sell the things that I want to sell. So then it's a case of breaking it down and saying that I'm going to contact, maybe I'm going to contact eight existing or previous clients in the next month. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to break that down to two per week. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do eight in the month, but I'm going to break it down to two for the week. And I'm going to do it that way because I want to reach out to them personally and not just blast out an email and that may never get open and hope that someone responds. I want really good quality referrals. Yes. So it's about deciding how you're going to go about this. You've decided how you're going to go about it. Then on a daily, weekly, monthly level, what's the actual activity? What are the things that you're going to be doing in your day to make sure that you can actually achieve this stuff? And I know that you're all over this now, Ange. Like you say, when it, when it's about looking at where you're spending your time, are you spending your time in the right places? What can you stop doing? What can you start doing? What do you need to keep doing in order to make sure that you actually successfully implement the strategies and achieve the numbers that you're after? And I think with ROI, one of the things that, again, you would have heard me talk to you about, Jen, and, and my other clients hear me talk about it is if you can get into the habit of doing your ROI activities first, you're yeah. going to naturally increase the line, right? Like naturally. But so often I'm seeing people fucking, do you mean, and no offense, guys, twiddling around. They've been on Facebook for five hours, right? They're, I don't know, off doing this thing. And then they're like, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't get any sales. I'm like, well, this is why you didn't. Right? You didn't do the daily activities that you needed to do in order to get the sales. So those daily activities, maybe it required you to go onto Facebook to do something, to put up a particular post or a, or a, a sponsored ad or something, whatever it might be. But you get up and do that and then you get off the thing. Exactly right. And that's where, again, I think, you know, again, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, that you got to be thinking about what are the activities that are going to be bringing you closer to this. Because if you're just off spinning your wheels with no strategy, we're going to run into problems, right? It's yeah. it's the ROI activities. I know I had one of my clients reach out to me. She's in my mastermind and she said on the weekend, and uh, she's a product-based business. And she said, and I'm going to be booking my photographer for this, this, and this. Do you think that's all right? And I said, is this a sign of procrastination? And she wrote back. She's like, yeah, that's why I asked because you just answered my question. Because the thing is, is the products that she was going to have um, photographer, like a photographer come in to take were images that she already has images of that are good quality images. Mm. So I was like, is this actually going to move your business forward? Or are you self-sabotaging and procrastinating and not actually working on the activities that are going to bring in the most money? Absolutely. And she was like, oh all right, never mind. I've just canceled. And I said, don't cancel it. My thing is, is there's about six other products that we need to develop. And I'm like, those should have been developed. But if you've already developed those, then of course, book the photographer in because we're going to need new images in order to be able to market and sell, right? Mm. But if you're only booking her to get images of stock that's already been redone, don't bother. 
like it's it's not worth it, right? You just actually that's leading to that expense line that's not going to be bringing in a lot more profit for us. So um, mm-hmm. in revenue for us. So yes, yeah, so now Definitely. so it's always about understanding. And I and I swear the more the women that I work with become clear and they start to understand those ROI activities, those daily, monthly, weekly activities, you see the switch. They they just like they're like, yep, I've just been you know farting around or. You know, then I get the messages and I had my biggest month. Well, what's the biggest difference? I worked on those things that are going to bring me in money. Absolutely. And it might only be three things. Exactly right. It doesn't have to be a bigger list. You don't have to do everything. There are so, so, so many things that we can do in business. You don't have to do them all. You just need to choose and know which are the three or four or five, whatever the, the two things that you need to do in order to get you closer to your goal. Yep. 100%. And once you figure those out, again, like I said, is it necessarily you doing them all the time? It could be that it's your team that's posting it for you, right? Or helping you create the newsletter. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a direct that you have to do it. Yep. So now for those that are sitting there going, okay, you've probably convinced me a little bit, Jen and Ange, in regards to, I don't know my numbers. I haven't even read my profit and loss statement. Uh, I kind of just, yeah, I get things done because the tax man tells me, but I don't really understand. Uh, income streams. Oh, I sell a few things. Don't really know specifically, but yeah, I'm selling things. Um, for those that are wanting to get started, what would you say like out of all of these five key elements that you talked about from um, setting the goals, the right revenue streams, the numbers around the streams, the how to's around the streams and getting that really clear activity. What would you say is the number one thing you would have anyone do out of anything else? The number one thing is going to come from the third key element, which is wrapping the numbers around the revenue streams. And the piece out of that, the tiny piece that I'm going to take out of that is to find your return on time for the revenue streams. Mm -hmm. So think about the things that you're delivering, that you're selling. Think about your offers. Think about really how much time you're spending delivering those and start start keeping a track of it, start writing it down. And, and yes, I speak about uh, service-based businesses a lot here, but same goes for um, any other sort of business. It's about the taking that gross profit line. Mm-hmm. Service-based businesses, the time that you directly spend delivering your product, the time that you directly spend earning that revenue, that's a part of your gross profit. So that's, it's about getting that line right. Yep. Oh, fantastic. And for those listeners who are like, shit, this has been a light bulb moment. Uh, I'm probably going to have to start looking at numbers. Haven't done anything. Where can businesses find you if they're wanting that help? I, as we mentioned, my podcast is live. It is simplysmarternumbers.com forward slash podcast. In addition to that, I actually am also running masterclasses live, masterclasses where I actually take the first three steps of what we spoke about here because there's only so much we can do in a live masterclass (laughs) without overwhelming people. And we do some demonstrations uh, there where I bring up a a revenue planner and we we actually look at this stuff. Some people learn by listening. Some people learn visually. People learn in different ways. So it's it's my goal is to sort of put it out there in as many ways as we can to help people really start to understand. So if anyone was interested in joining me for that, then you can you'll find that at simplysmarternumbers.com forward slash profit masterclass. Fantastic. And like you said, what I love is that you're giving a multiple different learning points. So it could be like someone prefers to listen to the podcast as they're driving home or to work or even do you know I mean exercising, whatever that is. Some people might again like to actually have to be in that masterclass with you. So again, make sure we will include those links definitely in the show notes. So my final question to you is, Jen, is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? 
Wow. When I first started in business, which was a really long time ago at the moment, it feels, yep. it is that your gut is the thing that guides you. Like you let your gut guide you. So it's, you know, call it your intuition, whatever. I call it the gut feel. For mm-hmm. me, it's about getting that gut feel um, and understanding that if something feels right, then yeah, go for it. But if something feels wrong, even if all the numbers are telling you that it's right, even if your your business consultant says that it's right, your family say that it's right, if something doesn't feel right, don't do it. Just mm-hmm. go with the no. So yeah, that's my thing. Go with your gut. And I totally agree. I, I mean, 100%, I call it the nudge. The universe is nudging you. Oh, you what, mm-hmm. what is that nudge, right? Um, again, it's there for a reason. You can ignore it, but the nudge normally doesn't let you get ignored for too long, right? Like it will keep nudging you, you know? Absolutely. So I totally agree. And I also agree. I mean, that's the one thing that I say with my own coaching clients with you guys is just because I give you advice and guidance, sit on it, let it marinate, but always do what makes you feel good and brings you joy, right? Absolutely. Like it's got to be, because if not, you're going to be pushing against, and many of you know, I'm like 10% woo out there people, right? But that you're, you will be pushing, do you know what I mean, against the energy because you're not, again, for a lot of a better word, the flow, right? Is you're not flowing with what you actually want to do. You're trying to do something yeah. that you're going and against. I, and so. I think you're right, Angie. You know, people are listening to two of the least woo-woo people that you'll ever find, but that is the number one. Yep. No, love it. And as I said before, my team and I will also be putting together all of the links for on how you can connect with Jen with her masterclass, the podcast and everything else with this episode over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoy this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially over on your Instagram stories. You can tag me at Angela Henderson Consulting or also tag Jen at Simply Smarter Numbers. Because again, we do love a good share so we can share that onto our audience too. Also, if you haven't already subscribed to the Business and Life Conversation podcast, please do and or leave a review. But for the rest of you, I hope you have a fabulous day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au